0: This is the Sound the Fog Horn Podcast.
1: Fiala intercepts again, trying to find the handle on it. He does. He scores! What a play by
0: Fiala! Your number one podcast for the Minnesota Wild. i proud to select with the ninth pick in the 2020 draft from the Ottawa 67s of the OHL, Marco Rossi. Covering their prospects, the NHL, AHL, news, advanced stats, on, and much more.
2: Sets up Bolino, back to Baldi, shoots, and scores! The B.C. kid returns home and scores his first! Close to work for the Wild. centers one, Eriksonek with a shot, he scores! Jewel Eriksonek, he's the hero! Poked away, Kaprizov, in for a team.
0: And now, here are your hosts, Brett Marshall, Zeke Boyat, and Justin Buck. Hello and welcome in to Sound the Foghorn, Brett Marshall, Zeke Boyat, Justin Bakke back with you Thursday, June 16th, one day after Game 1 of the Stanley Cup Final where the Wilds' heated rivals, the Colorado Avalanche, took Game 1 in overtime on the heels of Andre Burakovsky, game-winning goal, uh, but not here to talk too much about Avs and Lightning, we are here to talk Minnesota Wild. This episode will kick off the first of our two-part, our two-parter of our uh, annual season-long player grades. We'll outline what that looks like here in just a minute. But it's been a little while since we've got the fellas together, so we got to check in, see how everyone's doing. Zeke, you're kind of looking like Andre Vasilevsky right now with the hair going on and everything,
2: and the playoff beard. Yes. So how you doing, my friend? Yes. Yeah, no, I'm doing good. Uh, This is going to get cut, this hair. Uh, People can't see. It is going to get cut eventually here because it does get to the point where I'll wake up and I'm going, why can't I see out of my left eye? And it's because that's (laughs) right in my face. So it's going to be a problem eventually. And uh, with the uh, the 101 degree
0: heat coming Monday too, you want to shed any extra layer that you can.
2: Yeah, well, uh, we're going to be, uh, I'll be in Milwaukee starting on Sunday for about five days for a little trip, so... That'll be fun. It, you know, to be fair, at least it's been it's been really nice for like two weeks now. It hasn't even been hot, but uh, yeah, it was a little warm you know, on a just... Tuesday.
0: It got a little steamy. Mm-hmm. I had on Tuesday that, yeah. and it got a little warm. But
2: other than that, yeah, it's okay.
0: it's been really nice. Yeah. Um, no,
2: yeah, it's it's but but yeah, no, doing good. Just uh, uh yeah, it's good to be back. Uh, take a little break, but uh, you know, i for a while there. I was kind of not really interested in thinking about the wilds because I was still kind of, mm-hmm. I guess, yeah. pissed off. Yeah, sometimes but, uh, you just need a little it's, reset it's nice yeah. to be back yeah it's good absolutely. to be back to you guys
1: uh, it was very good to have this reset before we did player grades <laughs>
0: yeah mm-hmm. make, make yes. some maybe a little more rational decisions and try not to let recency <laughs> bias cloud us too much
1: <laughs> um, but that said justin how you doing man uh good uh just things are kind of slowing down picking up all at the same time uh, baseball season's almost over dance is over for about a month and then we've started summer hockey so uh just between coaching and sports it's it's been busy, but it's been good. Good busy.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It's summertime's four, it's transitioning from one sport to the next, but yeah. always good to be in multiple sports too. Um get a little bit taste of everything, see what you fall in love with, diversify the skill set and make sure you don't be the become the crazy parent either. So right. um well as I mentioned off the top of the show we will be doing our player-grade two-part series. We will start tonight with the forwards. Um, no prospect update other than um, Philip Johansson not signing with the Wild. They get a compensatory pick. I believe it ends up being like pick 56-ish. I that's think like in 24, the 24 picks into the second round or something like that. Yeah, right know. in there. So right around like 56 something. So extra ammo in the chamber for Judd Brackett and Bill Guerin in the upcoming draft. We'll have a big preview show of that coming up probably in like two, three weeks or so here. Um, that's really the only notable wild news. Everything else pretty quiet um, as of now. So how the player grade system will work? So it's not. So we want to get this out of the way because it can be a little bit confusing we're not grading the each player's season comparing player to player because that's not fair. Because otherwise it'll be, you know, Kirill Kaprizov, A+, and everyone else like a D. Um, <laughs> so what we wanted to do was grade the players on their seasons based on the expectation. So almost like grading on a curve, if you will. So, you know, with a... B minus, C plus kind of being, you know, yeah, that player did about what I expected them to, nothing more, nothing less. And then if we drop below that, maybe they performed under our expectations. Then um, above that, obviously, exceeded expectations. So that's kind of the, the the basis of how the grading system works. We'll do pluses, minuses where we see fit. Um We'll talk about each wild forward, 14 main ones. We won't talk about any of the players that were traded away. We will include brief blurbs on you know, guys like Tyson Jones, Nick DeLore, etc. cetera. Um, won't go too much into them because of small samples, but we'll get to that. Those core four groups, and then next week we'll wrap up with the defensemen and the goaltenders as well. Um, so we're going to work from the fourth line up, um, keep people waiting for our evaluations for the top of the lineup. Um, so we'll start with kind of the, the fourth line, the extra forwards, probably five or so guys. Um, to talk about here um, between Connor dewar, Brandon Duhame, Tyson Jost, Nick Delorier, and Nick Bugstad. Is there a player one of you two is itching
1: to uh to kick things off with here at all? Uh personally I'd like to kick it off with Connor Dewar. All right, um, let's I do it. Him, the yeah. Pro Dewey podcast. I mean, yeah. Dewey two. Maybe Dewey one. I don't know. <laughs> He's Dewey Two. Um, I always remember because yeah, Dewar yeah. is
0: fifty two and Duhame is twenty one. Right. So yeah. Dewey two is doer Dewey, Dewey one is Dewey.
1: A little, little, little um, mental
0: tip for you if yeah. you want to remember. That's how I do it.
1: <laughs> well, I, I gave him a C plus. C meets expectations. I, I feel like he was on the top end of meeting expectations. Uh, I felt like he played well when he was in the lineup. Uh, I liked his style of play where, I mean, I feel like he didn't make many mistakes and brought that physical brand. You know, Pitbull being his nickname was kind of fitting. Um, I do feel like he deserved more of a chance. He, he didn't get us a ton of points, but he was never really out there making mistakes. I, I mm-hmm. personally feel like he should have been in the lineup before game six of the playoffs and gotten
2: a better chance when we had so many passengers uh, kind of yeah. riding the plane. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's a, uh, you know, it's kind of tough with some of these guys obviously playing so little being a rookie it's, you know, as you mentioned, it's based on the player's expectations. I mean, for me, I went B personally, just because obviously, you know, the, you know, he, he didn't score too much. I mean, six points in thirty-five games. But mm-hmm. when you consider the fact that I mean, number one, he's probably not ever gonna score very much. It's not his play. I mean, as you mentioned, Justin, he's out there to be, you know, fast, physical, good defensive player, uh, which I'm sure Brett has he has he said a bunch with a lot of the stats indicated that he was really good. But I you know, I just thought uh, you know, considering that, you know, rookie after playing the HL for years, I thought uh you know, he did, uh, I thought he did actually very well, uh, considering what you uh, you might have expected out of a guy. You know, but yeah, pretty much.
0: Yeah, and I'm directly smack in the middle of you, too, with a B-. Um, <laughs> love everything Duar did this year to get into a little bit of those stats that Zeke brought up. Um, granted, in a small sample, 35 games played this year, averaging under 10 minutes of ice time per game. Um, getting some of that weaker competition among the fourth line, but some really impressive defensive numbers. Um, 1.74 uh, expected goals against per 60, uh, just 6.68 uh, high danger chances against per 60 minutes. Um, scoring chances, Corsi also very, very, very good. He actually, if you, over the season, um, were the best numbers in the wild in all of those categories. Um even surpassing Marcus Felino. Granted, the the, uh, the other side of the coin there is Felino got the much harder competition, but definitely something to be very optimistic about for a, I believe he's 21, 22 years old, to come out and put up shining defensive numbers. Um, and Justin, like you said, a kid that absolutely works his tail off. Um, we've seen him be able to kill penalties. He can play center. He can play the wing. Um, he's a guy I really hope will play an 82-game season next year. I think he deserves it. Um, he's really going to help the cap because they're probably not going to cost a whole lot of money because because mm-hmm. you alluded to, doesn't bring much offensively. But to me, that's not what a fourth liner needs to be. It just needs to be a guy who can be responsible, shut down the matchups that he's given, um, and when he can contribute on special teams. Whether that's the power play, or the penalty kill. I think that's huge as well. And I think Dewar is kind of the perfect combination of that. Not the biggest guy, but still not afraid to go out um, and, and throw his weight around a little bit too. He finished the year um, with 48 hits in in 35 games over a hit per game for, for him as well. So, um, pretty solid, but, um, and I don't really think there's anything you can nitpick too much about Connor Dewar, given, you know, who he's playing with the in and out of the lineup situations. Um, but it always seemed to me that more often than not, when he was in the lineup on the fourth line, the, the results of the game and for that fourth line seemed to be better than, than when he wasn't on it. So, um, excellent mm-hmm. season for him. And I've got, you know, the expectations are going to go up for me next year, assuming, um, that he makes the team and, and, and is an every-night player as he as he should be. So, Yep. All right. Well, let's just kind of stick with the guys who weren't you know, the total mainstays. So I guess next we can go to Nick Bukestead. Um Missed a big chunk of the season um, with an injury. Um, didn't play at all in the playoffs. Seems like there's a very, very slim chance he'll be back next year. But overall, not a terribly disappointing season either way. Zeke, we'll let, uh, we'll let you start off um, mm-hmm. with your grade of Nick Bugstead. Okay.
2: Yeah, for me personally, I went with the B B-minus uh, for Bukestad. I mean, obviously, he was in and out of the lineup, like you mentioned. Uh, I think he was hurt either right around the, you know, kind of end of the end of the calendar year or something like that, which, uh, you know, and then after that, he kind of was hard to get back in, but I did feel like for, you know, a guy who was mostly playing in the fourth line, obviously, he's not the fastest skater in the world, and he's not the most skilled. He's not going to score as much as he did at the U in college and all that, but I thought for a guy in the fourth line when he did play, uh, especially towards the end of the year, you know, he, he didn't end up scoring a ton, but I thought, you know, that he provided a little bit more offense, had that long reach, uh, a little more skill on that fourth line compared to, uh, you know, some of the other guys that they had there. And he was also 55% on faceoffs, which is, you know, the, he was one of the only two guys, I believe, on the team to be above, you know, 50% yeah, there. Yeah, he was so, regularly
0: taking draws, yep. And yeah. He him and Freddie. Yeah. So,
2: yeah, no, so I don't know. I mean, obviously, you know, he was a fourth-line guy, but I thought he, you know, be my thinking, I think he did, uh, you know, pretty good. Uh, he did his job well for a fourth-liner.
0: Yeah,
1: Justin. I went with C with Bugustad. Um, personally, I felt like from the beginning of the year, before I got hurt, he looked faster this year than he had mm-hmm. in past season. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it just seemed like he had an extra gear. Uh, looked like something he had worked hard on on the off season. I mean, yeah, he only had 13 points in 57 games, but you alluded to his face-off numbers and and not getting, you know, getting injured, not getting a ton of time on the fourth line, in and out. Um, I mean, we didn't get to see him for a chunk of the end of the season, too, because he seemed to be in Dean's doghouse and seems to be, Mm. you know, on his way out and didn't get a chance to play in the playoffs. But uh, I felt like when, when he was out there, he did it fairly well and then brought a little bit more speed than he had in the past. Yeah, I'm right there with you guys. I also had him
0: as a C. For a fourth-line guy and kind of the role he played this year, I thought he did, but, you know, about we expected. He, mm-hmm. you know, was kind of the offensive catalyst for that fourth line. Um, you know, decent inter- individual shooting metrics, um, averaging about um, four, almost five high-danger chances per 60 minutes, which is actually second-best on the team. Um, so it's finding ways to get to the dirty areas when he was in the lineup. Zeke, as you mentioned, to 55% um, on the face-offs. Um, wasn't the greatest defensively. Um, but I think we saw a really nice blend when we got Connor Dewar and Nick Bugstead down the stretch. I think those two were something like a 62% expected goal share when they were on the ice together. Um, so, really good compliment in, in that sense, being able to kind of be the offense, let Dewar be the defense, and then whoever it was, you know, if it was Duhame or Delore, whoever they were throwing with those guys, you know, Nico Sturm at times this year as well. Um, it's a good fit on that fourth line. So, yeah, like like we mentioned, probably not. Um, coming back next year, but um, wish him all the best because, you know, I think he's definitely earned himself a contract and, you know, in someone's bottom six. Um, stepped up the physical game as well. I don't know his historical hit numbers, but despite only playing in 57 games, um, logged 99 hits, so almost approaching two hits per game. Um, fifth most hits among the wild forwards despite – only playing 57 games. So threw his weight around as well. And I think, you know, we talked, you know, we've heard it talked about, you know, guys needing to adapt to, to their role and how, you know, guys that have been scorers, you know, as you mentioned, you know, score in high school and college, you know, came into the league kind of a, you know, a top six, four, but maybe guys recognize, Hey, if I want to keep playing, I gotta, I gotta, you know, change my game a little bit, be a little more physical, you know, start playing those bottom six type roles. I think he did that admirably and, you know, gave us really good value for, You know, and in the end, the Wild got him for, I think, ended up being nothing um, and got a couple years out of him in and out of the fourth line. So great contributions from him and hard to complain too much. All right, well, I can lead the next one here. Let's go into Nick um, DeLaurier, a guy who I thought was going to make me eat my words um, about him. After uh, his first game, he looked electric. That fourth line with, uh, I think it was DeLaurier, Jost, and Duhame had probably the best game they played all year that first game there in front of the home crowd. But then it just, from then, then on, it just never really seemed to, to click for Nick Delorier. Um, I gave him a D um, in my rankings. Like I didn't have high expectations, but it just seemed, you know, as the season wore on, I just wanted more, Um, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. the hitting and the, you know, defending players was, it was great, but you know, his analytics were putrid (laughs) to be Frank across the board Um, you know, it was a little bit smaller sample first time in a wild uniform, but pretty much second or last in almost every, you know, trackable metric, whether it's offense, defense, um, got scored on a lot. Um, you know, I think on the ice for five goals against in the playoffs, one, four, um, did play physical racked up 53 hits in 20 games, um, over, you know, a couple of fights, but, especially in the playoffs, you know, injury or not, I just was left wanting so much more out of him and, you know, probably a great culture guy, a guy that, you know, if they bring him back, make sure I'm hoping it's a, all right, we throw him as the 13th forward. We're going up against a division rival who may want to take licks at a Caprice off or a boldy or a Rossi. We'll throw him in there and make sure, you know, make sure no one's trying any funny business, but not a guy if they bring back that I want to see, you know, get regular ice time, um, by any means, I just he just doesn't do enough at either end for me to really move the needle. And um, for a fourth line guy, I need to see more whether it's good defense, producing a little bit of offense. But for him, it just it's just hits and fights, which to me, at some point, <laughs> there's other valuable pieces you need to put over that in your lineup.
2: Yeah, I mean, I do think just what you just said there, Brett. I I personally I went with D plus. Just gave him, I guess little bit of doubt for you know the type of guy who in the locker room, apparently and and some of that stuff because as we saw his game is obviously more effective in the regular season compared to the playoffs where no one wants to fight no one wants to hit and as you said Brett I mean that's pretty much what he's there to do is to fight and to hit and to you know like you said be basically an enforcer I mean you know there's he's not really the pure fighter but you know he's probably one of the few of those guys that's remaining in the league today and uh you know, like, like you said, I mean, the first few games were fine, uh, you know, scored a couple goals, but, I mean, as he did mention, too, it seems from Russo's articles that that's one of the guys that they do want to bring back, so, you know, who knows, uh, you know, obviously if he does, he'll be back at close to the league minimum on probably not more than a million bucks, so, uh, you know, I guess wouldn't hate it, but, I mean, like you said, nothing nothing really, uh, you know, I don't really remember him doing anything outside of his first game with the mm-hmm. Wild. so. Yeah, I mean, I also went with a D.
1: Mm-hmm. I like the first game when he got here, like like you mentioned, he scored the goal, fired the crowd up, threw some big hits, kind of brought everything that you thought he was going to bring uh, with what role he plays. And um, I just feel like as uh, the regular season went on, he got less and less effective than the playoffs got here, and he was not effective at all, almost absent. I was, you know, you got that clip where he's like, "Oh, I got four games to F and kill you," and, and I was waiting for him to bring that type of game in the playoffs, and it just never really came. He looked <clears throat> looked too slow out there, like like the game was moving too fast for him against the Blues. And yeah, and t- not that I dislike him, I, I just don't know. And, yeah, I, I just don't know if that's something I want to bring back. It sounds like they're gonna bring him back. I, I mean.
0: Yeah. Well, then you got guys like Perron and Shen who are kind All of right. throwing cheap shots around the playoffs. All like, right. When is Delo going to step in and do yeah. something? Right. And right. it never really came to fruition. And, you know, maybe maybe some props to the Blues for not getting mixed up in that and saying, hey, if the refs aren't going to call it, we're going to keep doing it. And we're not going to mm-hmm. be expected to respond to it. So um, and at that point, like if it, you know, and that's how the playoffs go. Like there hasn't been a whole lot of fights in any of the series. There, right. there just isn't in the playoffs. And. Um, I, to me, when you're a team that's crunched against the cap, it's hard to invest, even if it is a league minimum money in a player that's not going to play in the playoffs, right? Like your most important Uh games of the year, he's probably not a guy that's going to be in the lineup. So that's where my hesitancy is, hesitancy is there. um, great character love when he sticks up for guys in the regular season, but I just, I worry, you know, about the lack of value he brings, um, long-term in the playoffs. Right.
1: Uh, I I definitely like his personality and and I usually like that type of player, but. I just felt like I wanted more from him towards the end of the season and the playoffs, and I guess I wouldn't have a problem bringing him back, but I just hope it doesn't block a position of a young guy that may get a chance. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. All right. Sure. Well, let's move on here. Justin,
0: we'll throw it back to you here. Um, for one of the newcomers, one the other newcomers brought in on the trade
1: deadline, Tyson Jost. I went with a B with him. Um, he came in, was put on the fourth line try to, you know, get used to the team, gain some chemistry. Um and he did a lot of what was asked of him, including playing up and down the lineup, got put on that first line, wasn't it the first line for a bit? I think it was the last game. Yeah, last game of the year. Pitched in and I mean he only had six points in twenty one games, but I felt like there were some some games towards the end of the season where he looked like the best player on the ice at times. And Mm -hmm. um yeah, you hated to see Sturm leave, but you knew that he wasn't coming back when and later out later on we found out he wasn't gonna sign a contract. We were trying to, you know, get him to sign for less and he wasn't gonna come back. So, you know, I, I felt like he brought good energy and, and played very well overall for us. And and mm-hmm. you know, of course he's good on the penalty kill too, so uh even though our <laughs> special teams were pretty putrid, um he still
2: brings <laughs> that element to to the team. Sure. Zeke. Yeah, no, I went with C+. I just thought, you know, I think part of the problem with Jost was that he was playing on the fourth line when, in reality, that's not really where he should be mm-hmm. playing. I mean, if you want to get the best out of him, I mean, he, he did, you know, like you mentioned, just had a few games. Uh, I remember specifically, too, I think it was against Chicago or, or somebody where, when the, I can't remember who it was, the other team had the goalie pulled, and he made a play to keep the puck along the boards for, like, you know, a good 30 seconds. Really good you know, showed his strength for, you know, what looks like a really little guy. And, who you know, you would just looking at him, you think he'd get shrugged off the puck easily. But, you know, like you mentioned, Justin, I thought he was, you know, solid in his own end. I mean, didn't do anything too spectacular. But, you know, as you mentioned, too, that, you know, they with the storm situation, obviously, they got the player back who's still relatively young, who still, you know, maybe has some, you know, potential, I guess, in him. And I thought, you know, I thought he wasn't I, you know, I didn't think he was bad by any means, but he also, uh, you know, I, I just I don't think he was, uh, he didn't really do anything that particularly stood out at really a high level most of the time, but I mean, I think there's there's definitely something there.
0: Yeah, Zeke, I'm pretty much right in sync with you, C+, plus for pretty much all the same reasons, cool. and the thing I want to emphasize is, like, a lot of players you can kind of point to, okay, you know, DeLaurier didn't do this, or, you know, so-and-so yeah. did this to earn this, like, this is kind of earned for him by the coaching staff, right, like, When he was moved up in the lineup, he delivered, which is why I went with the plus over just kind of the plain old C there. Um, But it's just he never got that opportunity um, to really show us what he can do in a, you know, a role where he can be a little more offensive. I think, you know, you look at his analytics with the Wild, they weren't great. I think a lot of that was, you know, basically him having to cover Nick Delorier's um, and, and Brandon Duhame's kind of deficiencies at times and being kind of that responsible when almost like the Freddie Goudreau to the, to the bully and, and the Fiala type um, play different situation. Cause he's the skill player um, in that situation. Yeah. So um, still, you know, expected goals against two, uh, 2.09 per 60, um, which is fifth best on the team, which is pretty good for your fourth line. Um, but no, as you guys kind of alluded to, you know, I think I know this, you know, I know Dean and I know, you know, Billy love Freddie Goudreau and, um, I just think when you look at the skill sets, especially between those two, if you're comparing those two players, I'd like to see Jost get a look with with Boldy. And, you know, mm-hmm. if it is Rossi or somebody else, um, just put him with some guys that can be a little more mm-hmm. offensively creative and just see what he can do. Um, you, you know what you have in Freddie Goudreau, He is what he is. Um, I think he'd be a really good fourth-line center if you could have a fourth-line center right. or fourth line with with Freddie Goudreau and Connor Dewar and take your pick between Duhame or Delorié, whoever else it may end up being. Like, that seems like a pretty... Darn good mm-hmm. option in your fourth line to have guys that could probably you know be a mini shutdown line if you will. So um, yeah, to no fault of his own, just he never really got the opportunity to show us more. But um, when he did, he, he he did all right. So um, I didn't, didn't want to ding him for anything, but it was hard to really bump him up for anything. Yeah. Um, you know, two three games is, is hard to really push me up into a B. But um, so yeah, so we're at there. And then uh, the last fourth liner, we've mentioned his name a couple times here um Zeke will go to you for Dewey
2: one Brandon Duhame yeah I went uh, D plus Duhame I mean I think you know obviously he played in all 80 games so obviously the, the coaches and front office like him and they did give him a couple years ago that uh it was his two-year deal the second year a one way so you know I think he's probably going to be in NHL again next year I mean his first I think f- you know few handful of games were pretty good I mean Obviously, we didn't expect him to score a ton, but he seemed to be providing a little bit more in terms of offense and having the puck and at times being a little bit physical. But then then the last, like, it just felt like half the season, it felt like, you know, he was just there, like, you know, I wasn't doing anything. I mean, he had racked up 122 penalty minutes and, you know, I can't, I don't think a ton of balls really fights either. So it just felt like, you know, for a large parts of the season, he was just there and at times the only you only really noticed him when he was in the penalty box for, you know, doing something kind of silly. But I mean, you know, like, as I said, obviously, you know, he's a rookie, you know, I think if you would have said being a year, he was going to get like around 20 points. I mean, you know, I, I don't think you know that's not what we're looking at here, but I just thought it was, uh, I'm, I'm sure a lot of people agree. It just seemed disappointing after, you know, what we've been hearing about him from the team the last year or so. And from what we saw, kind of in training camps and, and in the AHL the last couple of years.
1: For sure, Justin. I went with C minus with him. Um, I mean, I like the type of game he plays overall in terms of his energy and his physicality, but I, I just felt like he didn't make a huge impact overall. Uh, like you mentioned, Zeke, he was in the penalty box a lot. Kind of made some not so smart decisions. Yeah, like it was, like un- it was uh, a lot of untimely penalties. It felt
0: like sometimes.
1: I do like that he's willing to stand up for teammates and kind of do what he has to do there. But um, I mean, and again, this is his first year in the NHL. The NHL is a whole different beast. I mean, he had a huge second half in Iowa uh, the year prior. So, I mean, he can provide some goal scoring, which fourth line, you don't expect him to score a ton of goals, but uh, I did expect in the future more of an impact if he's going to be in a lineup. And again, this was his first year learning experience, build, mm-hmm. and grow from here. Definitely.
0: Yeah, I think I'm right in the kind of the same ballpark. I also went with a C. And for me, it was more like the first half of the year, I was really impressed because it seems like he was doing whatever he could to to find ways to net. I mean, he was like leading the team in like shot attempts, I think, through like the first 10 games of the season. Like he was putting pucks on net, he was forechecking checking hard. I was like, wow, I mean, this guy is working his tail off. And then, it just seems the season went on, that kind of fell off, and he seemed to be seeking out the hits more. And we talked about the, unti- the untimely penalties, and I-, I felt like he just lost some of that. Like I don't know if it was just kind of the spark of being in the league and, and you know wanting to get that first goal or whatever. But it, it- I know it's there. Like we saw it at the beginning of the year, and I want mm-hmm. you know I want him to get back to that you know that that hungeriness for goals and-, and and being a little bit more aggressive on the forecheck. But um, I think all things considered for a rookie. Um, analytics, they weren't great, but they were pretty much in line with a fourth liner. Um, threw around 201 hits. He only missed two games. Um, and we talked about the penalties despite taking a lot. He did finish the year with a plus two penalty differential, um, which means he drew more penalties than he took somehow. Um, (laughs) and so I don't know how, I don't know how, but, um, and the shooting contributions were still there. Um, not necessarily high on the team, but compared to kind of league averages, still respectable numbers there. So I think for a rookie season, like, like you guys said, there's a lot he can learn from it. And I'm hoping he can kind of take the best parts and continue to build on that. Um, and I think maybe some more consistent line mates too, because he was rotating through all year. I mean, he was the one constant on that fourth line from, from game one to game 82. You know, he was with Sturm and Bugstead and Durer and Delorier and Jost and whoever else they, you know, there was games where Mason Shaw was called up and, Joseph Cramarosa, I think, you know, had a cup of coffee this year, too. So, um, you know, it's got to be hard, too, when you have a constant revolving door of linemates to establish chemistry. And, you know, maybe that I think that was the consistent beginning of the year. It was him, Bukestead and Sturm. Right. Um, yep. And you lose that chemistry, too. And maybe you have to change the way you play a little bit to you reestablish that. So I'm willing to give him the benefit of the doubt. That's why with the C minus like said the expectations dropped a little bit based on what I saw um, but I think there's there's still a really good pl- a really good bottom six forward in there um, that'll continue to kind of grow and develop here over the next couple of seasons. Yeah. <clears throat> all right. Well, that I think wraps up the fourth line. We're not going to mm-hmm. talk about Nico Stern. Um, so, okay. I guess next for the third line, do we want to go with the Grief Squad or the BFF line? Go grief. Yeah, that's I all, all. all right, go grief. All right. Well, let's just <coughs> go in good. in grief order. So we'll start with Greenway. <laughs> <laughs> He was probably, for me, like one of the hardest players to give a grade because Mm -hmm. I think past – and I had to kind of really think about Jordan Greenway because, you know, coming into the year, you know, we thought he was a guy that was on his way out the door, like probably wouldn't even make it through the season. And then all of a sudden he was given a contract extension and it seemed as like a weird time. Like, um he hasn't really been playing well. And then I don't know, something in that – contract extension kind of lit a fire underneath him mm-hmm. and he had a really strong half or second half of the season um, finishes the year with 10 goals um, only 17 assists 27 points so that's kind of what I looked at first and then I thought to myself you know we don't need Greenway to score we need Greenway to play big to play physical and be an important part of the grief line I feel like he really did that toward the end of the year so I ultimately fell for him was a b-minus um, you know, finally doing what we were waiting for him to do, even if that wasn't necessarily scoring. Um, we saw mm-hmm. him just taking pucks to the net more, being harder on the corners, you know, the defensive game improved. You know, I didn't feel like, you know, he did take a little bit, you know, minus seven penalty differential. So some room for discipline, but, you know, really good defensive suppression across the board. Um, and absolutely a perfect compliment to that, to Eric Sinek and Felino. So, um, I think we kind of saw the player we've been waiting for. Um, and I think as he continues to kind of adapt that role, I think some of the offense will come too. Um, but overall, I was just, it, it felt like he took that step forward that we'd been waiting in Greenway to take, even if it ne- wasn't necessarily, mm-hmm. um, you know, in goals and assists.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I agree. I, I gave him a B. Um, you know, he did miss time with an injury, but had no power play penalty kill responsibilities you don't really um expect that from him but he did start turning into that green way that we all want like you mentioned like there there are some games where he played with the physicality with his size that you just want where you know he's got the puck against the boards and players can't get the puck from him they're bouncing off him (laughs) he's making plays like getting the puck to the front of the net and and just turning into what we want like use your size to your advantage and, and make it tough. And he did. And, you know, he was part of that grief squad that went 20 something mod games before and allowing a five on five goal. So 68.25% yeah, um,
0: yeah. goals, four percentage on the year. So right. nearly 70% wow. of the goals scored yeah. um, were for the wild when Greenway was on the ice. Pretty impressive.
1: Right. Yeah. yeah I, do, I do feel like at times you took bad penalties But Mm -hmm. uh, like you mentioned, Brad, he took a step that we've been wanting him to take. And and I hope he continues that into next year. Well, I mean, he did have 69
2: penalty minutes. Nice. Very nice. He had to get that in there. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) um, Yeah. I don't know. For me, I think, I guess I was a little higher on him. I went with an A minus just because. Spicy. I don't know. Maybe it's just a few remembering different games. But as you mentioned, Justin with him, when he would do that, just, especially with just that line as a whole, but specifically Greenway do that cycle that you talked about with the puck down low on the boards, just like, as you mentioned, holding guys off. And I mean, a bunch of times just grabbing guys one arm and just shoving them down and basically saying, mm-hmm. get out of the way. I mean, like you said, uh, you, you couldn't, at times, couldn't take the puck from him. And I just thought that, I mean, especially last year in the shortened season, I remember he had a really hot start in the points department. He was, you know, it looked like, because I think it was a couple years ago where, you know, the the whole thing was that gear they had his sit down meeting where it's saying, you know, you need to get serious if you want to stay in this league more than a couple more years. And, you know, it seemed like he had started to do that. And I just felt like this year with that physicality, like you mentioned, Brett, I just feel like we saw it a lot more consistently. Now, it wasn't all the time, but I just felt like he was playing like the player that, you know, he should be and that he can be a lot more often than he had at all. I mean, as as you mentioned, he's obviously not going to score, but he also, you know he did have some time you know he does have some offensive talent uh, i remember that game against nashville at coy retirement night uh, you know when he went you know one on one all the way down the ice and you know kind of cut around the guy and cut to the net with a nice shot and scored so you know i it just felt like that he uh, was a little bit more was decent more consistent this year in the uh, you know the physicality department and you know using his uh you know, his, his body size and his height and, and all that to his advantage to really, you know, possess the puck a lot more and, uh, you know, make some plays.
1: Yeah.
0: All right. Um, I think that's all of us on Greenway. So let's move to the next mm-hmm. member, the EE part of the grief squad, and that's Jewel Eric Sinek.
1: I, uh, I can go first with that if you want. Sure. Um, I gave him an A. Um yeah. I feel like Eck is a player that continues to get better year after year. Um he's a player that you know what you get. He's gonna give you the same consistency, night in and night out. Um on top of it, he had a career year besting his goals, just points, twenty-six goals, was close to touching thirty, so um so close. So close. Bold prediction, met, I said Eric snacked yeah. thirty goals. He was so close. He missed War five away. games. <laughs> If he would have played five more games, he would have scored yep.
0: four more goals. I, I believe it.
1: <laughs> uh, but as we mentioned before, he was part of that shutdown line that that's maybe mm-hmm. the hardest line to play against the NHL. Uh, you know, these guys are going to go against the other team's top players and X probably going to take the best player. Um, and, and I also feel like, you know, adding power play – Uh, duties to his repertoire even the power play wasn't good it was still something that uh, he added to his um, weapons Um, maybe something they can improve on next year hopefully I won't be guessing the top five power play next year for (laughs) bone predictions but uh, um, you know you see him get penalty kill time and and he was also one of the maybe two best players in the playoffs scoring three goals and, and just the consistency and the improvement on offense on top of his defensive game already, just uh, I couldn't not give him an
2: A. Yeah, I went with an A to, you know, pretty much the same reasons as you said, Justin. I mean, you mentioned the power play goal. He had 12 power play goals, and, you know, obviously he's hes not as much a flashy skill guy. I mean, you know, just off the top, of head, you can remember all those goals, him just sitting in front, you know, giving the high tip from, you know, Zuccarello or somebody else on there, just crashing that, playing rebounds, and as we all know, that's, that's what he's good at. He's you know, a pain in the ass. Everyone knows how much every other teammates play against him. And, uh, you know, I think it was just another, it was basically just this season was just reaffirmation that they made the right decision to give him that, you know, big eight year contract. Cause you know, you thought it was a little bit of, you know, okay, you know, we know he's going to be good defensively and all that. We know he's going to be great, not just good, but you know, is that offense, you know, is that really for him? And obviously we saw here with you know, basically uh, almost 30-goal, 50-point season that, you know, that uh, he's not you know, he's not going to blow up a score sheet, but, you know, that he is definitely for real, and uh, I think, uh, I think, uh, yeah, no, I think A is a perfect grade for him.
0: Yeah. His I was really conflicted on because I wanted to be fair to him because I came into this season with very high expectations of Joel Eriksson Ek. So yeah. I came in in an A-minus. Um, mostly cause he didn't get me 30 goals to make my bold prediction come through. So I had to dock him just a little bit. Um, you know, a couple of spelling errors in that final essay, not quite a hundred percent had to knock it down a little bit. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just like, he's the most consistent player in every area of the ice night in, night out, um, finished second on the team, um, an average PCS with 2.03. That was 38th best in the NHL, like a top. You know, you're basically talking about a top, basically a top line player. Um, and Jewel Eriksson. It didn't work out with him. This is my other slight knock. It didn't work out for him as, you know, that first line center between Kaprizov and Zuccarello, where we saw him kind of start the year. But I think that's just because he's best served with Felino and Greenway. Those three just feed off each other. Um, I don't think it's an issue with his game. It's just when you have chemistry with guys, you have chemistry with guys, and that's how it works. So, Hmm. um, you know, definitely took some step ups this year. Um, Second on the team in penalty differential, um, plus 13. He was drawing penalties left and right. Um, some elite shooting metrics as well actually led the team or uh, yeah led the team in individual high danger chances per 60 uh, 5.28 um, for jewel erickson with um, one individual expected goal every 60 minutes too so basically one expected to score one goal based on his ice time every essentially three <laughs> games so um, that comes i think as you guys alluded to you know he he found a home kind of that you know, that zach parisi joe pavelski spot just park yourself in front of the crease and bang home rebounds deflections but we did see too you know that times the the creativity and some of the dangles and stuff too Mm -hmm. um that he brought got big bigger duties on the power play this year um which we really didn't see much in the past from him and um you know obviously a key cog on the penalty kill too so just a guy that plays all situations and you know you very 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 rarely have yourself going man jewel erickson had a shitty game like it's he's very rarely ever the problem and Usually when Jewel Eriksson does have a bad game, um, it costs a while. And I think we did see that a couple times in the playoffs you know, at game four um, when the grief squad was, was terrible um, and, and how that kind of swung the whole series. So, um, yeah, again, it was a little bit tricky for me because I had such high expectations for him coming in. But, um, you know, outside of, you know, not hitting 30 goals like I wanted him to, um, not sticking on that first line, and then still needing a little bit more work on the faceoff dot, 47%. Um, on the year you know a couple just a couple areas we can continue to round out um, but hard, hard to say anything bad about uh, about Jeek
2: no I mean like you said uh, if you're if you only have one area of your game and that's face offs that I mean yeah you said maybe a couple areas but uh, if, if that's his biggest weakness and he's pretty much above average everywhere else you know you're sitting pretty good so. exactly
0: all right <clears throat> let's move into the final member of the grief squad here Marcus
2: Foligno, AKA Moose. Yeah. I mean, it was kind of tough. I think it's, you know, it's maybe a similar thing to the other two guys in his line. I, I don't know. This one was hard. I went with an A minus, I guess, Uh, you know, because I mean, I think we saw last year, so much this year with the incredibly high shooting percentage, at like, you know, 23, 24% again, you know, so it's, you know, obviously, you know, that's, Kind of out of normal. I mean, you know, I I don't know. He was again the great defensive player. Uh, you know, he does all that. You know, he's hard on the forecheck. He's always is crashing to the boards, going after the puck. You know, and then similar to that, kind of scored a bunch of goals by just being around the front of the net at times and and, and being kind of pest and you know just kind of doing everything that uh, you know you know that you know that you would expect of him to do and that he's pretty much done for most of his five years of the wild and it uh you know i don't think he was i mean i guess it just been a match just because i don't think you know he was particularly like way better than you expected i mean you know he just he did what you expect him to do and didn't happen to you know score a few more goals than you would probably expected him normally but uh you know you're not going to complain about a High shooting percentage, even if that is unsustainable. Well, when time, you,
0: when but... you do it two years in a row, at what point is it? You know, yeah.
2: maybe he's just
0: a good shooter. <laughs>
2: yeah, <laughs> you know, maybe that's maybe
0: that's the knock. He needs to shoot the puck more. Um, Finish <laughs> the year with just ninety nine shots and scored twenty three times on those ninety nine shots. Um, yeah, I was right there with you, Zeke. I also gave Moose an A minus. Um, to me, yeah, like you said, like it just to me, he, he didn't feel quite. You know, he wasn't the offensive play driver. You know, not that with that's what we expect him to be, but to me it just didn't. You know, there wasn't quite enough to get it up to that AA plus tier, but a very very admirable season, um, which to me he was robbed of of higher higher up in the Selkie voting. Um, finished with one point seven eight expected goals against per sixty, which was the second best mark in the NHL among all forwards who played at least five hundred minutes. That was playing against the eightieth percentile of competition, so consistently getting you know playing against top competition. Um, the only person who really bested him in that category was the Selkie winner himself, Patrice Bergeron. Um, I believe finished with, like, like, a 1.56 expected goals against per 60, I think, mm-hmm. against, like, the 87th percentile. <laughs> um, and then he was, like, 13th in actual goals against per 60 at 1.61. Um, like, just elite defensive numbers across the board. And, you know, I think a lot of that credit unfairly went to Joel Eriksson, who, in his own right, is a great two-way forward, but I think if you look at the guy that drove the defense, it's Foligno. Um, you know, we when Eric Sinek was hurt in you know games, but you know it was always Felino that you know you could depend on. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, the physicality—two hundred and thirty-eight hits on the year led the team in that category. Blocked forty-two shots. Finished the year with a plus-four penalty differential. So even though he can mix things up, uh, managed to control the discipline as well. Um, and you know, started to shoot the puck a little bit more this year. You know. Um, actually, I don't know how, I don't have the number of face-offs that he took, but he won 60% of his draws, um, when he did end up taking the face-offs, which did lead the team, um, in that category. So maybe, maybe, uh, felino has got to give Ecker some pointers on how to win a face-off. Um, but yeah, so I mean, t- tough to find really anything, anything bad to say about Moose. Um, I think you got to give, you know, the, the big nod to, to all the off-ice, um, stuff in the locker room mm-hmm. and, and the leader yeah, he is for not you know he really is the vocal leader of this team I think both you know in the media and, and in post game interviews and all that stuff as well as on the ice so great season for Moose love that guy
1: yes well guys I'm gonna make it a trio of A-minuses for Ooh, there's our first
0: there's our first agreement <laughs> there it is <laughs> we haven't really been no. too far off
1: in any there was the no. spicy
0: no. the spicy Greenway A-minus but
1: they've all been in the same realm pretty yep. much yeah <laughs> Um, I don't have too much to add, but, uh, you know, he did have a career career year in offense. Uh, he's really turning, uh, you know, when we first traded for him, you heard that the Wild had wanted him for a while. And, you know, first year or so, you're just like, well, are we getting this guy? And he's almost turned into an elite power forward in the NHL. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, on top of, again, being part of that grief squad that's so good defensively and he's so good defensively, Scoring 23 goals on top of that, playing power play two and penalty kill one, um, is is really uh, kind of uh, what you want in him, and and to be turned into that elite power forward is pretty fun to watch. I mean, he's such a good locker room guy, um, rightfully so, got the one of the letters, and uh, yeah, just I don't really have much bad bad to say about him at all, for sure. All right, well,
0: let's move right along here. We're going to move next um, into the BFF line. I'm going to start here with Freddie Goudreau. Um, I give him a B, um, and I know this might be controversial because I think if you talk about a guy that seemingly delivered over expectations, it probably have been Freddie Goudreau. Um, but here is where it ultimately came down to for me. He was better than I thought he was going to be, but I think a lot of that came when Matt Boulding and Kevin Fiala took off. And he just got to be the passenger that occasionally benefited from those two playing really well. Um, pretty average numbers across the board. Like, really nothing that really jumps out He was like, eh, kind of an area that was very poor this year. Um, you know, great numbers for kind of a middle six, you know, really high-end, um, bottom six forward. Um, there's really, like, nothing I can super nitpick. Um, finished the year with 14 goals, 30 assists. Um which would be 44 points, a career high for him. Um, 0.91 PCS, ninth best on the team. Um, Had more takeaways than giveaways, which is always good. Um, Finished the year at exactly 50% in the faceoff dot, um, plus seven penalty differential, fourth best on the team. Um, And there were flashes in games where he played really, really well. And, and, you know, I think he was just exactly kind of the player that, you know, a a turnover-prone player in Kevin Fiala and a rookie in Matt Boldy needed to kind of complete that line. Um, unfortunately kind of disappeared in the playoffs a little bit and, um, makes you kind of one that, you know, that's where my hesitancy is long-term, you know, can he really be, you know, that middle six guy, um, just the way he was kind of shut down and and that line kind of disappeared in the postseason. But, um, I think a guy that gives you great versatility, you know, a guy that in a pinch can play up your lineup, but, um, ultimately I think a guy that's going to be more effective long-term, um, playing in that bottom six. And I think could be one of the best fourth line centers in the league if, if he were put in that role too. So.
2: Yeah, I personally, I went B-plus just, you know, when going by what you expected of a player. I mean, this is a guy, I mean, he played like 100 games in NHL, but very staggered over several years and only played, I think, like, what, 20 games the last two or three seasons combined. So I guess, you know, I, you know, I guess we weren't even sure if he was, you know, able to be like a full-time NHLer yet, I guess. I mean, obviously, he was brought in because Dean Ederson loves him and, you know, pretty much know that as long as he's here he'll be in the lineup he'll get that opportunity uh but you know i thought he was you know i mean, he was a, thought he was a pretty good surprise i mean obviously he like said brett he did benefit from being with kevin fiel on matt boldly and kind of you know he picked up 30 assists probably a lot due to them but i did thought you know he was a decent skater i think he showed maybe a little bit more offensive ability i guess than you know that And, you know, I expected after watching him the first, you know, month or so of the season, I mean, again, as you mentioned, that might be because of his line mates, but I thought, you know, he was also 50% on the draw, so he was about average. So, you know, he did a decent job there and was, you know, seems to be a decent defensive forward and and all that too. So, I mean, obviously I I just think he's, like you said, playing a little too high up in the lineup, but I thought considering, you know, that he – Hadn't really consistently been an NHL player yet. The fact that uh, you know, regardless of who he's playing with, he came in and you know put up 44 points. Uh, you know, staying in kind of a top six role all year, I thought he did a pretty good job considering what we all expected at the beginning of the year.
1: For sure. Yeah, I also went with a B plus like Zeke. Um, mm-hmm. I feel like he had some really good moments this season and and played some good. Defensive, uh, had some good defensive plays. Uh, I felt that times looked good on the penalty kill with Fiala. I felt that times those two were our best penalty killers some games. Um, I, I gave him a B plus really because I didn't know what to expect with his signing. Uh, you knew he had played for Nashville and Pittsburgh and had a decent playoff season with Nashville, but never really seemed to get the opportunity. And uh, it seems like we find these guys that get the opportunity and, and, and you know, maybe take the most take advantage of it i I do think in the future like as i mentioned he's more of a a bottom six center but um yeah i I think part of my knock is with i guess with a lot of the team was the the playoff where they, they just disappeared um but overall i feel like he had a really good season in terms of what i expected
0: for sure all right, so that'll
1: wrap up Freddie Goudreau. Let's
0: get to the wingers. Let's get to these top five forwards. Um, well, I think I'm assuming, Walt, we'll this will probably be where we have some synergies here. Um, let's start. Let's go with Matt Boldy first here. Um, I can start on this one because I absolutely love Matt Boldy. Um, and I, I don't know how you can't give that kid an, uh, an A+. Um, I think with the expectations for Matt Boldy coming into the year were high. Um, for me, I mean, I had, you know, I was like, Hey, this kid's going to be really good, but I don't think even I expected him to be as good as he ended up being Uh this year. I mean, just the way he played and the way he elevated Kevin Fiala, like Kevin Fiala could not find any chemistry with anyone on his lines. And all of a sudden Matt Boldy came in and Kevin Fiala turned into a completely different player. Um, and I think it's all because of Boldy. Um, 4.34 goals, four per 60. Um, led the team a 63.64 um, goals, four percentage. Backed by a 57 percent um, expected goals, four share, which for a rookie is insane. Um, like sure. to shoot the puck. 16.28 shot attempts per 60 minutes. Um, 15 goals, um, 24 assists. Wait, is that right? No, he had way more than that
2: uh yeah
1: 15
2: and 24 yeah. oh okay that's
0: right
1: yeah for um whatever that is
0: he was on a 59 point pace that's where i was throwing myself off i think it was almost like a i think it was a 68 point pace um with his um that'd be twenty thirty nine 39 points in 47 games um which had he played a full 82 game season would have had him right in the mix as probably a no doubt um call their trophy finalist um, just an unbelievable year for him. Um, threw around 23 hits as well, so about half a hit per game. Finished the year with a plus two penalty differential. Um, had more takeaways than giveaways. Really good offensive play driving numbers. Really solid defensive suppression numbers. Um, but to me, the thing that stood out, it's just things you don't see from rookies that often. It was just his ability to see the zone, to create space and to have patience with the puck. I think so many times you see rookies carry pucks in across the blue line or they feel some pressure. They dump the puck, they throw it, they turn it over, but not boldly. He would peel away, hold on to the puck, buy time, find space, hit Fiala, create seams for him by going to the middle, opening up space. Like just for a 20 uh, you know a 20 year old and then now a 21 year old, to come in and do that was just, to me, unbelievable. Um, and I don't know if fans still realize just how good um, that Matt Bowley is going to be. Like, Kirill Kaprizov had a pretty similar point pace at age 24 to what Matt Bowley just had in his 2021 season. Like, I'm not saying Matt Bowley is going to turn into Kirill Kaprizov, but I'm also not ruling it out of the realm of possibilities. Like, he's okay. that good. Um, and he just he delivered beyond what I was expecting out of year one. Um, and I cannot wait to see what he continues to do. And I can't wait to see the reverse retro jerseys come out so I can immediately buy my long awaited Bully Jersey. There
1: you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I mean,
2: Oh, go ahead, Justin. Sorry.
1: Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, <I'm> sorry. <laughs> um, I, I too gave him an a plus. Um, basically all my notes are exactly what Brett said. Um, the way he creates space and, and, I kind of want to go back to when he was drafted. You hear a lot of people saying that he may be just touching the iceberg of his play. And I feel like even with the injuries, he's continually like turning into this star, maybe even superstar in the future that, I mean, like you mentioned as a rookie, the way he creates space, the way he has vision, the way he is with the puck just is Insane for how you know how little NHL time he has. I feel like at times it felt like he was had been in the league for maybe like three, four hundred games, and it was just his first half of his rookie season. And and like you mentioned, uh, I think if he played the full season and didn't get injured, he'd be touching the Calder Trophy or, or top three.
2: Yeah, no, I think we're, we're all in agreement. I went A plus two. Uh, you know, it's not that it's like shocking that he necessarily played the way he did. I mean, I guess we just thought it might, you know, like most rookies that it would take, you know, at least a year before, you know, the fact that he just comes in, you know, after being hurt through training camp at the of the season, like you guys said, and is able to keep up and play, you know, in a top six role like that and find, you know, this great chemistry, you know, with Kevin Fiala, who's an established, you know, kind of star already in the league uh, is obviously it's, beyond impressive you know not much more to say about you guys but i think you know just that as we saw in the world juniors a couple years ago and in his past just you know the power play was obviously as we know wasn't great but i think that was another area where he showed a lot with his ability to pass and, and, and just to move i mean you know he's maybe not he's not the fastest guy in the world like some of the guys in the wild he's not as fast as kevin Fiala is but you know he, he's also not you know he's also not certainly not slow either and I mean, you know, you just think that you know obviously if, you just think that, uh as you said, Brett. I mean, if this is his rookie year, I mean just you know, how great of a player yeah, he's the sky be, is you know? the limit. Yeah. Mm. yeah. No and uh, you know, I've I you know, I'll do it again, but I've apologized several times for being one of the people who was mad the night they drafted that they didn't uh Take Cole Caulfield, who you know, to be fair, had a great second half. To also be a great player, but uh, you know, like like usual, that was a bit of a fan overreaction. And uh, you know, I'm happy I was completely wrong on that one. And uh, you know, I think it'll be, you know, it's you know, it's great that the you know, let's see another thing we can thank Paul Fenton for. So
1: yeah, I do want to add one thing too. I felt like his arrival uh, gave us two dangerous lines where yeah. teams. Didn't, if they focused on caprice of zuccarillo you could make them pay with fiala boldy instead of having just one line where like if we shut this line down we're gonna beat this team right we had we had basically basically i mean not a knock against the fourth line but three lines that were so hard to play against so different but the top two lines were so explosive like it was just so fun to watch see what they turned into
0: absolutely yeah, and I would say if there's one area to knock, it's probably the, again, we talked about the playoff performance of that line, but, you know, we saw it with Kaprizov last year too. Like, I'm not going to knock a rookie for having a tough first playoff because you don't know what you don't know in turn that situation. So if that replicates into next year, um, you know, like it kind of did with Fiala here again, which we'll talk about in a minute, um, then maybe I'll, I'll knock him down a little more, but, you know, I'm not going to blame him him for for not, you know, coming out and being a rock star in the in the postseason. Um, but I have a feeling he'll learn and he'll be he'll be great um, when the Wild return to the playoffs next season. So um, let's move next now to Fiala Zeke. We can start with you on this one.
2: Um, where did you land on Kevin Fiala? Uh, you know, personally for me, I went I put another A plus on him. I mean, I think obviously the last couple of years, uh, his first two full years with the Wild, you know, I had fifty four points in sixty four games when he had that you know insane run month or two before the pandemic struck, and then. You know kind of last year in the, the shortened year he started slow you know got been really good and you know this year i think it was kind of the same but also different in that he started slow and maybe the point in gold production department but you know it wasn't an issue of you know discipline or motivation or working hard and all that he was you know worked his ass off the whole year um, was creating chances just had you know we talked about marcus tolino scoring at 25 percent rate i mean kevin fiala was basically as everyone we've talked about on, show, on the show earlier, the year, was the opposite in that, you know, you know, he would, you know, shoot a puck at the perfect height into an open net, basically. And it would still, there would be a magical force field that would stop it from going in. I mean, you know, that's just how unlucky he was getting. And I think then after that, obviously, I mean, towards the end of the year, he just caught on fire and obviously, you know, had the second, and aside from Krokerisov ended up having the second best scoring season in wild history. And uh, was just, you know, as we know with him, he was absolutely dynamic. I mean, penalties are sometimes an issue, but I thought after that game in Washington, where he had obviously that conversation with Dean on the bench to, you know, get him back in the game, I think he really showed a lot of maturity. I think it was just the other big thing, and um, he's for. I mean, for the most part, it was pretty much the complete package of, you know, what we've really wanted to see from him. You know, overall for a couple of years now. Got it, Justin.
1: Um, I went with a, I, I wanted to go a plus, but I think the fact that it's been two playoff seasons in a row where he's kind of disappeared, uh, kind of knocked down that a plus from me. But I mean, like you mentioned, Zeke, uh, second best regular season in wild history. Um, he matured his game and the fact that he added being part of the penalty kill Uh, We all know he's part of the power play. I I just feel like he matured in some of his decisions. Uh, He did still get in his own head at at times, but, uh, I mean, once he started to take off right before Boldy got here, but when Boldy got here, it just stayed consistent, and and he became our best player some nights. He was so fun to watch. And, yeah, like I said, I only give him an A-plus because that that playoff performance was uh, kind of a couple of years in a row, but overall he was – So dynamic and fun to watch.
0: Yeah, and this might be my most controversial grade. I I landed on a B plus uh, for Kevin Fiala. Um, I couldn't put him quite in that caprice off that Boldy tier because he he didn't produce beginning of the year, right? Like we talked about. Once Boldy got here, but you know Matt Boldy played whatever it was forty some, you know forty seven games, which means Kevin Fiala basically half the season. No, he went however long we get to start the year. I mean, granted, was like a 3% shooting percentage, which we knew wasn't sustainable, but he wasn't finding the back of the net. He was taking undisciplined penalties. The turnovers were still a major problem for him this year. Um, Finished with 54 giveaways, which is not the same as a turnover. They're kind of a little bit different. But um, to me, like, I expected Kevin Fiala to be great. Like, I expected Kevin Fiala to probably score more than a point per game, but I didn't expect to take it half into the season and become like a two point per game player to hit that number. Yeah. Right. Like to me, it was the lack, it was, it was a tale of two halves of a season, right? The first half left you like, where's Kevin Fiala. And the second half was like, Oh yeah, there's Kevin Fiala. So like the first half for me was like a B And the second half was the A plus. So I kind of met in the middle there with that B plus. Um, and then again, you, you can't, you can't, you know, gloss over the fact that for the second straight postseason, season um, he kind of disappeared. So Um, You know, with a guy like, you know, we talked about Matt Boley being a rookie and Freddie Goudreau, a guy with playoff experience, maybe not a guy used to kind of being, you know, the number two center on on a playoff team. Like they needed Fiala to be great um, in that postseason. He wasn't right. So he kind of let, you know, Mm. he did not meet my expectations in the postseason. So I had to ultimately kind of knock him down for that. But I mean, again, did lots of unbelievable things this year, you know, aided by a crazy second half Um, third on the team in goals with 33 third in the team and second on primary assists with 31 second on the team in secondary assists with 21. I mean, I don't think anyone, had, you know, we all knew Kevin Fiala could score goals, but I don't think a lot of us had him penciled in for, for 50 assists, um, which is also a franchise, you know, broke a franchise record. Um, love to shoot the puck, um, a ton. He, you know, despite, you know, still finding some discipline issues at times, did correct that for the most part, finished the year with a plus 13 penalty differential, um, Led the team in pretty much every offensive um, advanced analytic metric. Um, spotlighted by a 2.86 expected goals for um, per 60. So, um, you know, a lot of great things. But to me, it just it took a little bit too long for Kevin Fiala to get into form to really push him into that A tier for me. Um, but still an unbelievable season. And um, obviously, he remains probably the, the number one headline as we head into the season for the, the impending trade. Um, that seems inevitable to happen. It's just all a matter of where he goes and, and what Billy G can can bring back in a return and what is shaping out to looking to be a pretty competitive um, and active year for top six forwards to be moving around the league. So we'll see what happens there. For sure. All right. Well, let's move in here to the top line, which we never really officially designated a nickname for. It's just the Kaprizov line. Um, you know, there's people out there with the, with the Kilohertz line, the KHZ. Yeah. Um, whatever you want to have it, but it was the Wild's top line. It was the most you know dynamic top line they've probably ever had in team history. Um, and let's start with you know I think the guy that I think universally every fan would probably give an A plus, but we'll talk about him anyway, and that's Ryan Hartman. Yes.
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. Uh, oh, go ahead, sir. No, go ahead, Zeke. Was... okay. Well, I mean, like like you said, I think you know, I, you can. There were times obviously this year where. He wasn't great. I mean, I know he wasn't fantastic the playoffs either and that definitely is for the fact. But I mean you said Brett, I mean, he scored I think the previous two years combined sixteen goals. I mean he doubled his goal total from the previous two years combined in one year, uh, you know, sixty five points. Obviously not great on face offs either, but so you know, not not many guys were on this team and I mean I mean, like you said, Brett, I mean the guy scored thirty four goals. I mean, you know, where we all know he thought he was a good player. You know, even if he was still only scoring, you know, 10 goals, 30 points a year, his contract was still, you know, a steal. And he
0: scored more goals than Kevin Fiala.
2: I don't think people realize that he was second on the team
0: in goals this year. (laughs) Ryan Hartman.
2: Yeah. I mean, you wouldn't, you wouldn't even think he would score uh, more goals than Fiala over a three year span or something. I mean, it's, yeah, no, I mean, not much to say. I mean, Hey, it's, you know, obviously him playing with, you know, Capri saw, being just going to the front of the net and Zuccarello and getting passes, obviously that helps. But, you know, I mean, you don't you don't see a guy go from, I mean, you know, single digit goals to, you know, 34, 35, 40. I mean, it just doesn't happen very often. And uh, yeah, no, I, A plus easily.
1: Justin. Yeah, I gave him an A-plus as well. I feel like he had uh, obviously a career, but he scored a lot of big goals, had a lot of big moments. Uh, and like you mentioned, second on the team in goals with 34, more than Fiala. And, uh, yeah, just – I, I would have been happy with 20, 25 goals from him. But, you know, you see him bounce kind of – didn't he start bod, bottom of the lineup? Mm-hmm. And then got moved up the top line, just kind of. Yeah, I believe blew he started.
0: Him and Eric neck basically swap. He started the year, I believe, yeah. with Greenway and Felino. That's what
1: it was. If I recall correctly. But yeah, I mean, <clears throat> it was incredibly fun to watch him. And he just felt like he was going to score a, a big goal every night. It seemed like he was always in, in big spots. And, and yeah. I, I'm mumbling over my words, but he he had a fun season <laughs> to watch. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it,
0: it was just amazing to see a guy who was a kind of you know he had the one season where he got to play with Patrick Kane, where he put up some pretty decent offensive mm-hmm. numbers. But basically, mm-hmm. it had since then kind of been this journeyman bottom six winger. His analytics kind of spotlighted a really strong defensive game, and for the longest, you know, since Kaprizov, Zgril, like hey, these two are great, but you know they tried Victor Rasz there. At, you know, he didn't really bring anything. Jewel Eriksson got the nod to start there, you know, by the clamoring of fans for that finally to happen. You know, it started off great. Eric, you know, picks up a hat trick in the opening, you know, on the home opener. But ultimately, you know, it doesn't work out in the end. And they say, hey, fuck it. Let's put Ryan Hartman there. Why not? And the rest is history. He finishes the year, as we mentioned, second on the team with 34 goals, racks up another um, 31 assists to hit 65 points. Um, 239 shots on goal through 72 hits, led the forwards and blocks with 48, um, and completely shifted his game into offense. Um, third on the team and expected goals for with two point, per 60 at 2.63, 14th out of uh, 15 wild forwards and expected goals against at 2.28. It's like he abandoned the defense, but it was, um, I'll take it with, with what he brought on offense. Um, And I just think, I think if you said, Hey, Ryan Hartman's going to have 65 points this year and scored more goals than Kevin Fiala, people would have laughed at you. Like no one expected this Mm -hmm. out of him. And, you know, just the energy, like this guy became a crowd favorite. And I think on top of that, you look at the team friendly contract he just signed. um, And you, you know, now like, Hey, you know, if, even if that spot, you know, maybe does in, if it's, you know, beginning of this year, halfway through this year, next year, if that does get turned over to Marco Rossi. He's a guy you're going to feel confident playing up and down your lineup and you know it's just going to go mm-hmm. work his tail off every night, flip off Evander Kane on behalf of hockey fans <laughs> yeah. and, and players everywhere, um, and then turn that into unbelievable things by supporting the Children's Hospital yeah. too, right? So I don't know how you can't love Ryan Hartman. The guy's awesome. He's a meme in the best way. You had the the L meme that came out from our friends that were the social media admins at the time that you know got plenty of use. Um, and I think the other thing, too, is his discipline, you know, really, really improved this year, too. I think we saw Ryan Hartman in the past kind of lose his head at times, take dumb penalties, and I felt he really righted that ship. He still took a fair amount of penalties this year, um, but I felt like it wasn't nearly as many as we've seen in past of kind of those undisciplined um, penalties. So hard to say a bad thing about what Ryan Hartman did this year because I think he blew everybody's expectations out of the water.
1: Right, and I forgot to mention he got plugged in that second power play unit, too, which at times looked better than the first power play unit. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, yeah, yep.
2: Insane.
0: All right, well, let's move to the first of the two members of the top line's dynamic duo, Zuki, as he's affectionately known, loves McDonald's, curl Capri sauce, absolute best friend in the whole world, Matt Zuccarello. Uh, Justin, we'll start with you.
1: Ah, oh, man, I I, I I gave the whole top line an A+. Plus. Sorry, I ruined no, <laughs> my okay. Capri. I, Capri I don't was. think
0: this was too much of a secret, to be honest. No, it's <laughs>
1: not. I mean... A career year in points assist. Another player that broke the franchise record with assist had tremendous chemistry with Kaprizov. You know, when we signed him, people were like, what the hell are we doing? Like, we're trying to get younger, and then we're signing this yeah. guy. And then Kaprizov comes along, and they have this unmatched chemistry that <laughs> they're basically inseparable. Un- these two together are, are incredibly fun to watch. Um, the only knock I feel like is at times they got too cute and tried to make, like, too many plays maybe but you knew night in night out for the most part that these guys were we gonna have uh, a couple points and and yeah these guys are just maybe the first dynamic duel
2: we have in franchise history yeah i mean you know like you mentioned justin they do get too cute at times and sometimes i would find myself complaining about the two but then i go well then i look they each have like you know, yeah. trying to it's hard to. You sometimes it's you just get frustrated when obviously when you'll turn one over and send the other team a two on one. But then you look and they go, oh they got he's got eighty points in fifty eight yeah. games, so I'm not going <laughs> to shit on him too much. But sure. yeah, no, I a, a plus for me too. I mean, as you mentioned, Justin the last year's pre I mean he has 114 points in his last 112 games. You know, as at the age of 34, mm-hmm. having a career year. I mean, you know, like you said, the you know he's, he's not a perfect player, but I mean, hey. You know, if he just doesn't miss twelve games because of COVID and all that and stuff, you know, he's another guy who probably has—he was on know, pace for ninety points. points, yeah, yeah which over is, eighty-two games, which at age yeah,
0: thirty-four is yeah. unheard of. He I finished know.
1: with seventy-nine it's, points, even with the injuries. Yeah, <laughs> crazy. I mean,
2: just—it's you know—he he was great. I mean, like you said, Justin, two, a year ago. A couple of years ago on this podcast, you know, everyone was, or anywhere was saying, How are we going to get rid of that contract? Who, yep. Can we give, get a pick to get rid of him? It's like. And now you know, we're like, protect this man at all as, costs. <laughs> right. As uh, long as it's reasonable. I mean, that, yeah, I mean, he, he's here to stay, I think. Yeah. That's fair. I think that kind of <laughs> shows people you kind of got to be
1: patient with, mm-hmm. with these GMs' mm-hmm. visions. And even though it was a Fenton thing, um, Garen kept that vision with them, and just patience pays off.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely, it does. Yeah, and I'm right there with you guys. A plus for me as well. And I think Zeke, you kind of hit the big point for me. Is like there isn't any 34 year old, maybe outside of you know the perfection line. I, I think Bergeron and Marchand at this point, both over 34, might be. I mean, there there's a few yeah, handful of exceptions. Close. I think Patrick Kane might be beyond that number now, but there aren't very many players who hit you know their 30s and. Yep. Still produce at a point per game clip, um, and I think too you can't look beyond like Kirill Kaprizov as a better player when Matt Zuccarello is on the ice with them. Um, mm-hmm. We you know we we saw even last year like Kirill Kaprizov started to take off when Zuccarello was paired with them, and you know the the off ice chemistry is apparent between those two, but the on ice like. And we'll and we'll have votes on this later for the goal of the year. But I think you know one of the candidates can be right up there is the five on three goal that those two score with their little give-and-go behind the net. That I think that was this year, right? Yeah. It was. Um, yeah. Like it just it, there isn't like you can't have a superstar without someone to help make that superstar work, right? Like Daniel Sedin had Henrik mm-hmm. Sedin. You know the you know um, Gretzky had was it Yari um, Curry. See the forward on, like, every great player has had, you know, kind of that sidekick who who wouldn't have been, yeah. you know, that got them to that next level. And that's what Zuccarello is for Kaprizov. Um, just an unreal year for him, as we mentioned. You know, it was not a 93-point pace if he would have played all 82 games. Like, to do that at 34 is insane. Can he replicate it next year? Maybe. If he if he doesn't, will any of us care? No, I think, because I don't, you know, is there maybe a dip? Sure, but is it significant? Uh, you know, as long as he stays Probably. healthy, like, I don't know how you can look at the season I've had and expect Zuccarello to take, you know, some steps back too. And I think, you know, him coming, coming in the year healthy, I think helped too. Um, we saw some more confidence. We saw him shoot the puck a little bit more, um, which was huge, um, be a big part of the power play when it was on. Um, and then even the advanced analytics kind of across the board, like nothing like major red flag, like. Nothing elite by any means, but you know he let the hard you know Kaprizov do the heavy lifting, and you know maybe Hartman doing some of the shooting. But you know I think some underrated defensive plays as well with his active stick in the defensive zone as well, and different things like that. So, Osemir Fazuki, I think you know if there's a player I think probably swung the most from like hey I really don't like this guy to hey I love this guy this year, um, I think Zuccarello is probably the top of the list for Wild fans. All right, All right. and last but certainly not <laughs> least. Our Lord and Savior, um, Kirill Kaprizov. Who wants to start?
1: I'll start. I mean, I already gave it away. I gave an A+. <laughs> <eight laughs> <plus. laughs> <Yeah. laughs> um, best season in wild history by far, 108 points. <sighs> oh my God. Consideration for a heart, in my opinion. Um, scored eight points in the six games against St. Louis, seven goals, which wasn't the record for a playoff like season for us but it was one series where he scored seven goals. I think the record was nine, and that record was with a team that went to the Western Conference Finals. Unreal player, like superstar caliber. I mean, not caliber. He's a superstar. Definition of what you want to build around, great work ethic, skills, and on
2: top of it, personality. And it just seems like no moment is too big for him. Yeah, I mean, like you said, not much A+, not much to add. I mean, it's just... You know, looking here, I think he finished in the, in the league scoring, finished fifth behind Leon Draisaitl, Jonathan Huberto, Johnny Gaudreau, and Connor McDavid. It's like when has there ever been Never. a thought of a wild player finishing top five in scoring Never. in the league? Much, you know. I mean, we. It's been you know usually the last ten years, the leading scorer has had like you know sixty-two points or something like that. And obviously, points aren't everything, but I mean, yeah, like I said, I said it many times, but honestly, it's, it's just like almost hard to believe that you know he's really just worked out and you know just blew by even the already insanely high expectations yes. that he had I mean I remember you know a few years ago you know I was talking I would talk to people and say you know yeah, I think it was a bit of an exaggeration but I said this could be the best player that's ever played in this state and you know didn't necessarily expect that but I think it's starting to look like that and uh, yeah no 47 goals I mean Obviously, at the rough start, you know, it had people going, you know, I want to trade his ass. He better not come back. He's a self a hole. wasn't worth it. So yeah, it it was which, it? Was it
0: one goal in his first like eleven or twelve? Yeah. And then yeah, fin-
2: was, and then finished the
0: year with forty seven yeah. at a sixteen <laughs> percent shooting percentage after <laughs> like scoring once oh the, the first twelve games. Absolutely, yeah, just bonkers. I,
1: I feel like his expectations are like. Have you guys seen that baseball? Between anything, things, I forgot what team does it, but it's the freeze where they race. I feel like he's like mm-hmm. racing a, against a fast runner, but he's the freeze, like <laughs> whipping past his expectations that were already high. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Head start, but he still whips past those expectations. <laughs> yeah.
0: So Kirill Caprisoff led the wild forwards in goals, primary assists, secondary assists, points, shots on goal, individual, um, Shot attempts per sixty minutes, individual expected goals for sixty minutes, takeaways, penalty differential at I think a near league best of plus twenty seven. Yeah. Um, shot att- um, on ice shot attempts per sixty, uh, Corsi for um, first place and pretty much top five everywhere else across the board. Um, the only area where he maybe lacked a little bit was high danger chances, both for and against. But that's just because, you know, you know what you're going to get when Kaprizov, Hartman, Zagrell on the ice? You're going to get high event hockey. There might be some goals, but they're going to score some too. Um, yeah. I just, I don't know what more you could have asked for that kid from that kid this year. He did everything awesome. we wanted him to and more. And I think really, you know, made the wild a team, you know, national national audiences wanted to watch. He, he, he draws a crowd and... Um, You know, we we get him for at least four more years, and I think we're going to continue to enjoy every second of it. Missed one game with a little shoulder stinger um, after the incident in Boston from Trent Frederick, that piece of shit. Um, But, you know, other than that, 81 games, like it's when your superstars playing in every game but one. I mean, that's that's unreal. And um, Justin, as you said, too, pretty much the only guy that decided to show up in the playoffs as well. So, um, yeah. especially after, you know, kind of being shut down last year and a little shaky in game one to come out like he did and try to will that team and put the Wild on his back and get him into the second round. He did everything he could. So um, a guy, he's a proven winner, loves to win, and I think we saw that come through this year. And, um, you know, I think as long as Kapril Kaprizov is here, the Wild have, have optimism to, to go a long way because I don't yeah. think there's a limit to what to what he can do. So it's an unbelievable no, I, year I mean- for him and... Um hopefully it's the you know, the first of, of many hundred point seasons for him and um I'm still rooting for him to be the first fifty goal scoring all history. I think that'd be pretty cool.
2: Yeah. I say no, I, I say he it, does it next year. Yeah, well I mean yeah, no, I mean he very well was even did it after you know not scoring for ten games. But I think Justin what you said about him just being a great person too. I mean there's a got it here just kind of what he was in his year end presser uh, that they do obviously, he said you know, obviously talked about that he understands the language a bit more, was able to go out and, you know, be around more. You, you know, he said, I love the fans. They've been great. Been going around town, I definitely get noticed a little bit more and I get stopped, but I embrace it, right? They're the reasons I'm here and, and you know, saying it like that. And I think, you know, when guys, you know, players, especially like him, you know, kind of acknowledge fans and say like that and, you know, even say to the point where, you know, he enjoys the interactions and all that. I think, you know, that's just really cool that, you know, obviously, you know some people can be ridiculous and over the top, but you know, for this guy who you know, you know hasn't spoken English up until the last couple of years really that much, and completely new country and all that. I think it's, uh, you know, I just think it's really just cool that not only is he, a, you know, like you said, great hockey player, but he seems seemingly from all accounts a great dude as well, uh, and it's uh, it's just awesome.
1: Yeah, I do want to add too. I love the fact that when they were losing a little bit. He goes to Garen and doesn't say what the hell's wrong with this team. He says, what can I do to help this team mm-hmm. get out of the losing streak? He doesn't blame the team. He, he puts it on his back and says, what can I do yep. to help this team win?
0: Playoffs, he's like, I'm going to score goals. I'm yeah. score them all if I have to. All the goals. <laughs> um, I think 50% of the goals in the playoffs, the Wild Wilds were by Capriza. I believe they scored Oof. 14. I believe he had seven of them.
2: So and He was still top 10 heading into the finals. I yeah, think, insane. In insane. insane. <laughs>
0: yeah. So, well, that'll do it for the forwards. Long-winded, um, as this episode tends to be, but this is probably one of the longer shows <laughs> we'll do in the off season, But still, plenty of more good stuff coming away. Uh, defense and goalies coming your way next week. There'll be plenty to discuss there. Uh, maybe a little bit more dispersion, probably in the in the uh, in the grading. I feel like some potential yeah. there to maybe have a little bit more disagreement in places. But um, and then following that, um, we'll be having our awards show. Um, so keep an eye out to the Twitter, um, world for the link to vote on just a variety of awards, the goal of the year, the, you know, uh, most improved player, team MVP, rookie of the year, all kinds of fun awards, um, to vote for, we'll have that up here. And, um, hopefully I think probably around the end of the month, right around when the Stanley Cup final is wrapping up, um, barring a sweep of some kind, um, Will be some draft preview. I'm sure we'll maybe try to squeeze in an, an off season checklist somewhere in there too. But um, lots of content. Long story short, coming your way here over the next couple weeks on Sound the Foghorn. So uh, thanks for sticking with us. Hopefully uh, didn't forget about us over our hiatus. Um, needed some time just to reset the brains and step away from my from playoff disappointment, but um, get back into to looking in the in the right direction again. So. Um, any final thoughts here, gentlemen, before we wrap up um, part one of the, the player grades?
2: Uh, just
1: Oh, sorry, go ahead. I just want to say it was an incredibly fun year despite the first round exit again. Uh, the best season of franchise history, regular season. Uh, we want more, but the, the future certainly looks bright, and I'm excited to see uh, coming up in about a month what crop of prospects they see fit to help continue that that build that strong pool and, and strong future what what it seems like at least
2: yeah yeah no I, I call that and also i just feel like i have to give a shout out on air like we did on twitter to uh you know that the wild and idea spin again for sending us those uh those uh santa Cup final care package obviously that you saw from brett's post that we all got uh you know it was it was really cool i mean so i looked cool. it up that cooler was like 250 yeah. 250 bucks in the store, and. Uh, especially i thought the you know the coolest part for me was probably even just the ice carving inside you know, well, that i have movie. it in my freezer i
0: like i don't want <laughs> I that do that do thing it. to melt. Like, <laughs> I, like, you can, I can't just let this melt right like so i'm like i'm yeah, just gonna no. keep it in my freezer and like That's i legit when i use the cooler might just use that block of ice because a yeti cooler yeah. it should like stay frozen and just see how long yeah. i can make that block of right. ice
1: last yeah. i'm gonna be like 80 years old with a cane like have him like, Don't touch that piece of ice. Yes. Leave it alone.
0: <laughs> it's about a twenty twenty two. Still it's yeah. so ch- still going. But yeah, yeah super cool. Yeah, no, shout um, thanks. Out. Yeah, thanks to the wild for thinking of us to to send that. And um hey ESPN, thanks for doing something cool for once. <laughs> showing <laughs> you actually care about hockey. <laughs> yes. That
2: is, yeah, no, I felt that I was like yesterday, I'm like, okay, I'm gonna not complain publicly has been anymore since they just sent us a bunch of free stuff. So.
0: Unless they make me listen yeah. to Leah Hextall.
2: Then I might be well, a little bit. She's in between the benches now. Yeah.
0: So. She's fine in between the benches. I can tolerate that. Yeah. But the play-by-play, I can't, I can't do For it. Sure. Can't do it. Mm. Alright. Yeah. <laughs> well, now we're rambling. Um, it's late here, so um, Justin, why don't you remind uh, everyone where they can find you and all of your work. You can find
1: me at DE's 2004. You can find me at C with the countdown. You can find me at MNW Prospects with MNW Young Guns. Um, with that page, we'll be putting out uh, some draft stuff uh, fairly soon. So stay tuned to continue to follow that page as well.
2: Zeke? Uh, as usual, you can uh, you know find me on Twitter at Zeke Boyat with a capital Z and a capital B. You know, As usual, I have all my tweets, thoughts, links, et cetera, whatever. You can find me there.
0: And as always, you can find me on Twitter at B underscore marsh 92. Be sure you are following the podcast account as well, both on Twitter and Instagram at Sound the Foghorn. All one word. We got defense player grades as well as goalies coming your way next week. And a lot more content as we head into the draft and what should be a very busy Minnesota Wild offseason. But until then, this has been another episode of Sound the Foghorn.